This episode is brought to you by my MySer tracking spreadsheet. You've heard me speak about the importance of tithing, and this time of year, the month of Elul is perfect for accounting, not just spiritual. We want to make sure that we fulfilled our obligation of tithing. As fiduciary agents of God's money, we want to close our year with the books in order. Why? Because we're about to enter a new year in which God decides again how much bounty he will provide us with. And that provision depends to a large extent on how good of a financial manager we've been. So if you've been wanting to commit to this mitzvah of ma'aser or tithing, one for which God guarantees wealth, I've created a simple miser tracking spreadsheet or tithe tracker so that you do your tracking for this past year and close the books with accurate and or start your new year fully committed to tracking your MICER accurately and diligently. Download your free MICER tracking spreadsheet at jewishlatinprincess.com forward slash tithe tracker. That's jewishlatinprincess.com forward slash tithe tracker. Jewish Latin Princess episode 190, Rabbi Arya Niven, self-development expert. You're listening to Jewish Latin Princess podcast by Yael. Every week, get your dose of inspiration from the world's most uniquely talented Jewish women and from Yael herself, seeking profound and practical ways to live a joyful, richer Jewish life. Welcome to Jewish Latin Princess podcast. And now, Jewish lifestyle expert and bilingual blogger at JewishLatinPrincess.com, your host, Yael. What's your mission in life and how do you go about finding it? Not inconsequential questions that my guest today has been helping thousands of students from all over the world answer these for over a decade. You're listening to Jewish Latin Princess. I'm Yael Trush, your host. Welcome to the show. Today, I have self-development expert Rabbi Arian Niven. Rabbi Niven is an expert in Jewish personal development for today's day and age. He consistently researches traditional Jewish approaches in addition to positive psychology to convey personal development concepts effectively. His dedication to ongoing research, as well as his vast Torah knowledge, keeps his classes current and dynamic. He's developed numerous group programs, popularly known as Rabbi Nivin's Chavuras, on different topics where students learn things like how to live with expanded consciousness, accessing joy, living a powerfully motivated life, living in the present, transcending life's challenges, time management, self-esteem, and more. Some of these topics definitely speak to me. And well, the reviews and the rate of continuity in Rabbi Niven's Chaburas speak for themselves. Students stay in Rabbi Niven's programs for years as they master one area and then continue to work on the next. His latest program, and a widely popular one, is the Elul Bootcamp, which starts actually to day and will be running for the next four days. And there are many, many more programs accessible on his website, newchabura.com. That's new, N-E-W-C-H-A-B-U-R-A.com. Rabbi Nivin and I talk about his foray into the world of personal development, his close relationship with founder of Asia Torah, Rav Noah Weinberg of Blessed Memory, and how he shaped Rabbi Nivin's life, bringing clarity about his life's mission. So much of Rabbi Nivin's work is helping people find that mission and implement it. So I had to ask him, how does one find that mission? What happens after we realize what that is? The financial lessons his wife taught him and the way they approach money, his close encounter with death, and how she once again set him on the right path to embrace that challenge. Can we all break out of the paradigm of poverty? Is financial freedom accessible to everyone? You'll want to hear his answer. Our responsibility to develop financial intelligence and to put effort, his upbringing and the financial lessons he grew up with. This is a wonderful, wonderful interview, and I hope you enjoyed as much as I enjoyed 
enjoyed speaking with this amazing human being. Here is Rabbi Arya Niven. Rabbi Arya Niven, welcome to Jewish Money Matters. It's such an honor and a pleasure to have you on the show. How are you? Nice to meet you. You're in Houston, right? I'm in Houston, Texas, but I really should be in Eretz Israel with you and everybody else. (laughs) Soon, soon, soon you'll be visiting. Soon, soon. You are a life coach. You're a self-development expert. Of course, you're a rabbi. You're Chaburaz, which I want to call a group coaching, but I'm sure you'll define it in a different way soon. You can give us more details. Are quite famous in the Jewish world, Rabbi. In fact, I have several of my students who in my financial coaching programs, who've taken them, who've been part of them consistently for many years. I would love for us to get started with how did you end up in this line of work? What led you to this? And I'm sure it's a long journey, but perhaps give us some highlights and connect the dots for us. And how did you arrive at this, at this juncture of working in coaching people, finding their mission, using Jewish tools to, you know, integrate it with this life coaching? How did you arrive at this? Okay, it's quite a journey, but my whole life I've been interested in growth and helping people. Um, I actually started teaching my first class at 19 years old. Mm -hmm. I had uh, 30 people in my class. And, uh, the path of the just and the soul shasharim. So uh, my whole life, I've just been connected to growth and to teaching. I, uh, I worked uh, in, in certain yeshivas for many years, and I counseled people and I taught them. After doing that for about 20 years or so, I had developed my own approach. Hmm. And then I decided to go out on my own to start a coaching practice. And that eventually became my Chabor system. And that became my, my institute. I have a research institute also. And here we are, many, many years later. And what, what is the Chavura system? What do these Chavuras consist of? Well, they're, they're, first of all, they're audio and webinar um, personal development Chavuras. Mm-hmm. They're on all different topics. We've, we've been doing that for 20 years now. We're about 20 wow. years on the road. We have, we have students with us 20 years. You know students who are with us for 10 years on some of our Chavuras, believe it or not. And... Uh, we choose different topics, and uh, this year's topics, Tough Shin Pei Aleph, was how to have vitality in your life, how to elevate your life, how to have a connected marriage, practical God connection, expanded income living, empowered parenting, another connected marriage, connected self. So we have about 10 Chaboras a year that are about four months long. Mm-hmm. And those are like training half training Chaboras, half serious Chaboras. And then we have one Chabor that goes all the time, that's been going for uh, decades already, literally. And uh, we have a Jewish personal development curriculum that starts from the beginning. It goes all the way up, you know. So we just finished a group with about, I would say, uh, 150, 200 women on the phone call just now on Elul, on how Mm -hmm. to grow in Elul. Amazing. Yeah, it's such a it's such a auspicious time to do this kind of work. And I know you have your LO program that I would love for you to talk to us about in, in a minute. But, um, you know, you talk about this, I, you, you mentioned that since you're 19 years old, very, very early on, you had an interest in, in growth and self development and all of this. 
obviously this was infused with all the Jewish wisdom and the knowledge that you acquired over the years, you've been able to literally fulfill your mission in life. I feel like, I mean, this is something you teach and this is something that it's clear you are living by. Um, so I want to talk about that in depth. And I want to ask you about one particular experience that I read about that you had with Rav Noah, Noah Weinberg, which really brought tremendous clarity about your personal mission and the kind of work that you were meant to do in the world. Can you share with us that experience? Yes, I was the personal assistant to Noah Weinberg for about three years, mm-hmm. which means I, I was in his office, I traveled with him, I did everything, and I, you know, he built me. He, I merited to have him work with me and to help me and to mentor me, and I was close with him until the very end of his life. Anyway, one day, we were driving down to Route 1. Route 1 goes from Yerushalayim to Tel Aviv. Right. right. How old and, are you? Uh, How old are you at this point? At I'm this, 60 at this years moment. old. Uh-huh. No, at this moment in time, at the, when I'm you're 60 years Oh, yo, uh, I would say mid-20, 25 years old. Okay. We're driving down the highway. I'm the driver. He's at the passenger seat. And I said, Noah, I have a question for you. It says, in the way that a man really wants to go, in that way he will be led. In Hebrew, they said, there's nobody in the world who wants to bring the Jewish people home. Hmm. How come the Jewish people aren't home yet? So he looks at me and he says, stop the car. I heard one. <laughs> stop the car. I stop. I'm like scared. Just get out of the car. <laughs> I get out of the car. He gets out of the car. He looks a big man with big hands. Right? I bet you're terrified. Goes, you're like, uh-oh, what did goes, I do wrong? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I didn't, I didn't know what was coming at me. Well, you I'll never forget what was coming at me. You said, <laughs> right. No, you have to ask questions. You have to ask questions. So Noah said, listen, I failed. I don't really want it. And he proceeded to tell me his character flaws. Because I don't really want it or else it would have happened. And he seriously, this is totally serious. And he looks me in the eye and he says, but you, Arie, you can still do it. I want you to do it. I know you can do it. And there was fire coming out of his eyes. <laughs> wow. One of many stories like that. Rav Noach, Rav Noach believed in the, in, the, uh, in the greatness of the individual, the ultimate potential of, of, of the Jewish soul. So that was one of many stories I had with him. Wow. He never, he, 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 he yeah. That, that is a pretty thinking? intense experience. And how, how did you feel at that moment? Right. Now you're like, what do I do with this information? What's next? <laughs> <laughs> there were many stories. There were many stories where with Noah and I, uh, we, uh, we had interesting, very interesting talks. And, and, um, and, uh, and he, he challenged me. He challenged me. Mm. You know, he just kept pushing me and pushing me. And, uh, we're very close. We're very, very close for, for many for a very long time. So on the topic of believed in our potential. Yeah. Go ahead. 
Yeah. So in the topic of our potential and doing what we're meant, actualizing that potential, which is something that we all want so badly, right? And so many don't even realize that 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 that, that they have this drive. Um, the more I do this work, the more I talk to my amazing guests on the show, the more I teach my students, I realize that one of the areas um, that people are challenged with um, the most in terms of their relationship with money is actually making a living, making money, doing what they love, right? They're calling, monetizing that those talents, those passions, those gifts. And you and I know that you know, it's it's brought down in, in many, many sources, including the Sharabitach and the Gate of Trust. Um, the, the idea that we have, we should seek to make a livelihood in the area where God has given us innate talents and capabilities and interests, right? And, and we're even taught to teach our children to do that, to, to develop themselves, to look for, to develop those areas and to look for a livelihood there. And that is definitely not the prevail, you know, the prevalent cultural message that we get in society, right? Um, maybe now more so than perhaps when I was growing up, there was very little talk about this. It was more, you know, where are you going to make the money? Um, and not to say that that's not important. And I would say even in the Jewish world, uh, we often fail at this, at, at, at teaching that balance of we really need to be teaching our children to look for their talents and their passion and, and making a living at, with that in mind first. So how would you help us understand this? How would you speak to this idea and the importance of, of finding that intersection of the you know, passion and the profit or the fulfillment of our mission first and foremost? Well, one of the main things we have in our ELL program, it's ELL now, ELL is International Deep Thinking Month, is we... Uh, is to find your yield, your positive life zone, your positive life purpose. Mm -hmm. When a person is connected to their positive life purpose, it's uh, wonderful, it's pleasurable, it's meaningful, it's exciting, it's a nuclear, ener it's a nuclear energy source, it's powerful. Um, you can have the power of 10 men, 10 women. So we have a whole process. It's literally a science on how to find your life purpose and how to get it. And after you find it, it's a whole science how to implement your life purpose, which is mm. what you're alluding to. Mm -hmm. But the, obviously, one of the first things that people should do, first things, whether they're mature enough to do it, of course, and if they have parents to guide them in this way, is to find out what your passion is, what your mission is, what you're, you know, what, what you're here for. Everybody is created for a specific, unique life purpose. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, there's nobody in the whole world who could fill another person's life purpose. Am I wild? Right. But how the first do we... step is finding it. The first step is finding it. Mm -hmm. After you find it, it's another journey to implement it. Should, right. And if you're asking about monetizing, that's the third question. Hmm. So let's start with the finding it, because even finding it seems like such a daunting, overwhelming idea for so many. Um, how can we break this down in a tech tactical way? Is it, you know, do we follow the breadcrumbs? You know, uh, is the answer going to come up to me, you know, one day completely clear? Or is it something that we get clues along the way? Does it happen in stages? How, you know, can that mission evolve over time? There's so much here to unpack. Well, there's, there's exercises that we do that show you how to find the basics in just a few hours. Mm. Okay. 
So for example, there's, there's a thing called a yud moment. A yud moment is a moment where I access my positive life purpose. Mm-hmm. We have inside of ourselves what's called, the word yud is from the word ya'ad, destination, my positive life destination, my positive life zone. That's mm-hmm. our word for mission. Um, so we have God put inside of us a yud Geiger counter that every time we hit our yud, the thing goes beep, 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 and we have to learn how to listen to it. So for many people, not all, there were times in our life where we access our yud moments. Mm. Sometimes, let's say if a woman worked for the elderly, she went, you know, she worked in the old age home, another person did a tzedakah project, another person learned a certain type of Torah. Our, our yud Geiger counter buzzes when we hit our when we hit our year moments. So you could actually, there, there's some specifications to it that I don't know if you want me to go into, but you can learn how to read your year moments, make a list of them. Mm-hmm. And many times you'll see patterns, patterns that come out of it. And sometimes there's patterns and sometimes there's underlying mechanisms within them. And that's one way of finding your year. Now there's, you know, there's, a, there's details about this, but a year moment, when you have a year moment, you're happy you're mm-hmm. exhilarated. It's timeless. Um, you, you have a feeling that I could do this forever. Um, it's a moment of transcendence. It's pleasurable. So there's, uh, there's ways of reading that. Not everybody could read you in moments. There's other questions we ask. Mm-hmm. But um, that's a little bit of the science of it. And then you said there's the implementing, right? And, I, and, this is, and you said the third thing is the monetizing. But <laughs> at this moment, let's say somebody's has an inkling and, and, and gets it, you know, they, they get what they love. We're in that state of transcendence where they're really using their potential and their capabilities at the utmost. Yet there's that voice inside for so many that says, and maybe we've heard it coming from our parents also that says, but you'll never make any money at that. Right. And that tends that, that lie tends to hold so many people back and lead to so many frustrations and, you know, later crises in life. So how, how do we, how do we work with that, 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 that voice that is so real um, and has so much power over us, this fallacy? Well, don't, don't do that because you'll never make money at that. Yeah. It's it's a, it's a very, um, listen, I come from Eastern European parents and everything was, financial security, 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 security. And then I went out and did exactly the opposite of the whole thing. Mm. So, um, so I, I had those voices in me as well, but, but, uh, we, there's, there's, there's making an elder plan. That's what we do in our Kaboras. And then we have a procedure of following, learning how to bring it to all the, all the months and the different Hagim in our life. Mm-hmm. So you have to, you have to know what you are, you have to know what, what your mission is or you is, and then you have to keep it alive. You have to introspect on it. Now, in addition to our positive life zone, there's our tikkun. Our tikkun is not what we need to fix up inside of ourselves. Mm-hmm. And many times our tikkun is a lack of self-esteem or lack of confidence. So they're two, they're two actual separate zones of, of reality. Mm-hmm. And uh, it might be that you know your yud and you're excited about it, but you have to work on your self-esteem along the way. So that might be part of your yearly direction to learn how to work on your self-esteem or things of that nature. Hmm. 
Yeah. Which, which reminds me of this idea of <clears throat> trusting in God, Bitachon, that this is how you and I initially started a conversation offline, talking a little bit about this topic. Um, and I, I always say that this Bitachon, this absolute trust in God Almighty, is one of the most important components um, of our financial it's, it's uh, of life in general, but certainly when it comes to people's relationship with money and our finances, it it um, it it is highly highly important. However, I would like to ask you to expound on this idea because I feel like it's often misinterpreted um, as some sort of complacency, where uh, whereby. I trust in God, and so I don't need to exert effort. Or if God decides everything I'm going to have during Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, then, and I can't change that amount, it's nothing I could do to change that, then why do I need to put in the effort? And of course, none of this is correct. Nothing could be further from the truth. So can you clarify for listeners, number one, the role of bitachon in our relationship with money, and number two, the intersection of bitachon and effort and how they work in tandem? Well, this is this is a sixteen hours of that's a sixteen hour question, <laughs> and you have to say it in I'll sixteen minutes seconds. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, there's, there's people who are on our level who have to do this thing called ishtadlus, mm-hmm. right? Ishtadlus means effort. Most of the people who are watching us and myself and you have to do ishtadlus. You can get to a certain level where you can transcend ishtadlus and and. I know many people who do that and are doing that and are, it's acceptable for them to do that. But for, for earthlings like you or me or for people like us, we have a mitzvah to exert ourselves according to our belief in the natural world. Mm-hmm. To the extent somebody transcends their belief in the natural world and sees what's called ain old novado, that Hashem is truly everything, to that extent you could begin to let go in gradations of the the world of Ishtadlus. But on a practical level, most of us are obligated to go out and to effort in order to uh, earn a living. I mean, is that a, that's the two minute answer? Yeah. There's a lot of depth to that. I could go on. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. so uh, the holy Slotomer, the great Slotomer Rebbe, he says a fantastic thing. He says there actually are people who, now listen, there's people who are not making it because they're not, they're not doing the right thing. They're not trying. They don't have financial intelligence. Mm. And they have a mitzvah to, to go and do that, to learn it up and to work on that. There's certain people who might have a gazera on them or a decree on them that they're part of their life purpose is to be poor, mm. right? So the, the Slotomer says an amazing thing. It's from a verse. It's a chasidish adrasha from the Baal Shem Tov. Yeah. Okay. It says, Chachmas Hamiskein Bezuya. The wisdom of a poor person is despised. Nobody wants to hear from a poor person. Okay? So comes along the Baal Shem Tov and he plays around with the letters. And for those who know Hebrew, you'll get this. It says, Chachmas Hamiskein. The Chachma of a poor, of a poor person. The word is Bezuya is despised. It's composed of bazoo, ka. Here is Hashem. Hmm. So the wisdom of a poor person is to know Hashem is here. So whether you're up and whether you're down, you have to know that Hashem is with you no matter what. 
and it's all for your good and it's love and he wants you to grow and he wants you to be happy. And, um, and, uh, and, and we're, we're here in this struggle. We're here in a struggle for, um, for a purpose. Mm. You know? I'll tell you a financial story that might interest you. Tell okay? me. So my, my wife grew up in a poor home, mm-hmm. right? Very poor home for certain reasons. She grew up in a home where the bank would call and threaten them to take their house. That's how she grew up. You know, she grew up in a very poor home. I grew up in more of a middle-class Fairlawn, New Jersey type home, if you know what I'm talking about. You know, Teaneck, Fairlawn, that whole neighborhood type thing. Anyway, um, the dollar was at 4.6 in Israel. Okay, Mm -hmm. 4.6 shekels to the dollar. And my whole livelihood was based on the dollar. Mm-hmm. Okay. Certain things happened and the dollar went in a, just a couple months from 4.6 to 3.2. Mm. Okay. Which means lost almost more than a third of its value in a couple months. Right. Which means everything I had, the same amount of work I was doing, everything I was doing, my salary lost maybe a third, 40%. I didn't know what to do. We're going under. Right. Didn't know what to do. I never experienced such a thing. Baruch Hashem, I've never had a financial problem in my whole life. And I was very anxious. I, did, I just didn't know what to do. So my wife sits me down. She's used to this type of stuff, right? Because <laughs> she grew up with that. She said, don't worry about it. What are, you, what, are, what, what are you worried about? So we'll have bread. We'll have water. We'll figure this out. We'll get by. And she, she was completely and totally calm and completely and totally completely and totally with it and 100% supportive of me. Wow. And uh, because of her, she pulled us out of it, you know? Wow. So poverty, poverty, I mean, I'm going a little off topic, has a lot of, um, has a lot of, poverty is not a good thing, but you can learn quite a lot about life from poverty and, and humility and how to, and how, and how to, uh, you can learn tremendous things from Judaism, from poverty, mm-hmm. you know? Mm. and transcendence and things like that. Like every challenge in life, right? Every challenge is a, is a great learning opportunity. Now, now on, on that topic, you know, are we, are we being remiss if, we're te- if we teach people that we can get out of a paradigm of poverty, we could transcend and the more we trust and the more we do what we're supposed to do, like give Meister and, you know, you know, work on our spiritual, on, on the vessel and our spirituality and our midot and, and our bitachon and all the things we can, and obviously on a money mindset and all that, we can actually transcend poverty and scarcity. That is financial growth, a, a real possibility for everybody. Is, is, is it negligent to suggest that to students? Let's put it this way. There's, there's, there's numbers here, okay? Mm-hmm. 75% of people are not earning money because they're not working on their financial intelligence or they're not budgeting or they're not doing the right thing or they're not doing the work. 20% of people have what's called a gazera on them, mm-hmm. a gazera, a, a decree on them. They might, have, uh, it bec- they might have to break through a certain character trait. They might have something from a, a, a previous reincarnation. It could be something even from their parents, or it could be many of a number of things. Those people have, have to work extra hard. So 75%, 75%, if they don't do the financial intelligence, 
It's negligence. Mm. It's irresponsibility, not budgeting. 25% of, 20% of people are going to do that and they're going to be stuck. And they might have a decree upon them and a decree could be for a good thing to break through. And 5% Hashem is going to say, no, this is, your, this is, this is where you're at. And those are the, that's what the, the Baal Shem Tov was referring to, that at least if you have a decree on you on poverty, is to know that Hashem is with you. Mm. How I got these statistics is a long, long story. I, 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 I need to know call. this one. How, how did you get it? I don't care if it's long. <laughs> 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 Bees at Sal has a book called Ali Shur. Wait, you he got cut off. There I'm sorry, Ma- Rabbi, you got cut off there. How, how, how did you begin that, begin that sentence? Revolbi has a has a has a safer called Ali Shur. Uh-huh. In Ali Shur there's a in Ali Shur there's a thing called Ma'amar Ratzon. Mm-hmm. Uh the the uh the essay on 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 will. will. Okay? There were certain things in that essay that were a big mystery to me. I couldn't I couldn't um there were certain things he said there were the strongest language that that just were that were were problematic and I struggled and I struggled and I came up with the pshat that he was talking to the boys in his yeshiva, right? And the boys in his yeshivas were not putting in enough effort, mm-hmm. right? They weren't doing what was incumbent upon them. And his essay was addressed towards them. Okay. And then I said, yes, but there's people who have a gazera on them, a decree on them. They don't fit into the, the regular scheme of things. And he wasn't talking to people like that. And then there's the people you say no to. Anyway, I wrote up a shot. I sent it to one of the, uh, the grandchildren of, of Revolvi for a checkup. And Baruch Hashem, I got a huskabar for what I said. Mm-hmm. So, so most people are not putting forth, most of the time when people fail, I'm talking about 70% or 75% of people, are not succeeding because they don't put in proper effort. Mm. And that's who Rev. Voldy was talking to in the strongest language, strongest, strongest language. Then there's other categories of people who have decrees. There's a special, there's a special um, uh, learning for them. And then there's another 5%. There's a special learning for them when Hashem says no. And how would I live a happy, fulfilled life even when Hashem says no? Mm. Deep stuff. Wow. We, ha- we have... Uh, Series and classes on all of this stuff. We have a transcendence module that a transcendence program that deals with this. Unbelievable. Um, I I want to address your childhood because you alluded to you know the way you grew up and so much of what we, the way we re- think about money, the behaviors we exhibit up around money have to do with what we observed at home in our home of origin, what we heard what we saw. Um, were there any poignant lessons um, growing up, any lessons from childhood that stand out that taught you uh, about money or that shaped the way you, you are with money today? Uh, in, in, the rever- in the reverse, I would say. In other words, um, <laughs> the, uh, um, my, I'll, I'll start with my grandfather in Poland. Mm-hmm. My grandfather... He, he learned, he learned his whole life in Poland, never, never worked a day. He just learned and learned and learned. Hmm. And he somehow got his family to what he got to. 
they were sent to the Lodge Ghetto. And they were in the Lodge Ghetto, and they were living on um, nothing, basically nothing. And the only way to get, um, to get food is if you would work. Mm-hmm. Now, this, this is an interesting. My grandfather, Patsal, had a decision to make. Should he go to work? Or should he figure something else out and continue to learn? And guess what he chose? I'm going to learn. And he learned and he worked it out until he met his end in the, in the ghetto, unfortunately. Now, my father was a Holocaust survivor. He grew up. And, of course, he was very security conscious, like, mm-hmm. like people, uh, you know, who come out of the Holocaust are. And we grew up in, um, in suburbi- sub- suburbia. You know, the typical suburban home on the corner, you know, with with a grill and, you know, neighbors have a swimming pool and that type of stuff. <laughs> and uh, it wasn't for me. It, was, it wasn't for me, that type of life. So I, uh, I had, I, 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 even though materially we, we lived very well and uh, I set out for different pastures at Eretz Israel and, and started learning, started doing my thing, started teaching at a very young age also. I was reading and learning my whole life, even, even in the personal development work I did. I started very young, amassing. Um, my first time management book was when I was 17 years old. Wow. How to Get Control of Your Time and Life by Alex Lakian. <laughs> I still use this stuff. But anyway, I started collecting my, my sheets when I was a young boy, and uh, that's what I've been doing ever since. But you have to learn how to listen. Like you said, you have to learn how to listen to your, your Geiger counter inside of you that's telling you all the time who you are and what you're all about and learn how to mold your life. It's a very, uh, you have to be, it's, a, it's a very spiritually mature process mm. to know who you are and then to bring it to fruition. It's another level to monetize it, okay? Mm-hmm. And... Uh, there's a, there's a lot to learn from all of those journeys. But, but for sure, somebody who can monetize his passion, that's the way to go, if that's what you're asking. And it seems like you, you balance that quite well. I mean, if, you're, if your parents had been scared that you were going to go the route of, you know, your grandfather, that wasn't necessarily the case. You went in the learning route, but you still, no. you know, you still balanced that with the making a living. So... Um, that says a lot. Well, I, I was in, I, I was involved in, um, in teaching and, and Jewish activism actually from a very young age. Mm. And, um, and, uh, I was under the mentorship of Noah Weinberg, who, uh, who literally pushed me, literally pushed me to do things that were above and beyond my capabilities and, and believed in me. And, um, and, uh, and, you know, so I, I was blessed in many ways to have a mentor and a man who, who believed, who believed in people, yeah. which is one of the most important things of the world, you know? Yeah, it, it is so important to find that, that mentor. It's, it's, uh, it's extremely important. Now, we are on Chodesh Elul. We're in the month of Elul, which is a time of spiritual accounting, obviously, to get, taking stock. We're preparing yeah. for the new year. Um, on a practical level, not that spiritual growth is not practical, but also there's these fin- this, this financial element that I always like to bring um, to the fore of really making sure that we've accounted 
we've, we've, we closed the books in the proper way, meaning that we've taken stock of our MISER and we've allocated our MISER properly. I think um, the idea of tithing for some reason has been neglected by many, often confused with Sadaka in general. Um, how important would you say is to take tithing miser seriously and you know is it is it is it a, a an important part of what we should be doing this time of year making sure we got that accounting done right i think i think it's important part of all year round <laughs> it's not good to do it only at the end of the year it's good to do it at the end of every month every week or every other week and then you won't have that terrible feeling of like i didn't do it and I have to do it in Chodeshelu. Mm-hmm. But for sure, people who, first of all, it's, it's very important to have a rav for, to get your shita, your, your approach to Meiser, because there's many different approaches. It's important to have somebody guiding you in the process. But is it important? It's, it's, utterly, it's utterly important. It's the, it's the essence of uh, being a responsible, a responsible person. Mm-hmm. Nevertheless, you have to know Sometimes it's a mitzvah to give. Sometimes it's a mitzvah not to give it. And you have to know when and how that applies. Excellent. And what, what should we, I know you have an Elul boot camp. So tell us a little bit about Elul boot, boot camp and the work that we need to be doing um, on Chodesh Elul, on the month of Elul. Listen, the, the Beni Shai says and a crazy thing. It's, a, it's an unbelievable thing. The Beni Shai says, that one moment of Elul, mm. uh, of Elul of o, the Elul work, is worth a whole month of the rest of the year. You get that? One moment of Elul is worth a whole month. How do we understand that? Uh, in Elul is, is, you know, every year is a different planet. Every mm. year, as we could see from the pandemic, that things that we never would have dreamed of a year or two ago or every day right now, right? Mm-hmm. Every year is a different universe. It's a different planet. Hashem sends us the Ha'arot, the illumination of, of, of the year, what the year is going to be for us in Elul. He sends the sparks. So in Chodesh Elul, we can, we can grab the sparks and understand what our year is going to be about, do the introspection, and get the self-knowledge about how to prepare ourselves for the year. Hmm. So, so that there's a certain wisdom, there's a certain knowledge, there's a certain growth, there's a certain depth. That's impossible to get every month, any other month. So we have, we have one program that's called the Authentic Living Program, which we go through all of the different uh, life purpose techniques. We do it over four months. That program we began two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. That's a four-month program to get all the details, how to find your life pro- purpose in every way, a very deep program. And for many people, they're never going to do that in a million years, right? You know? So we have a program called the Elo Bootcamp, which is how to do the Elo work in four days. We have four one-hour program. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's actually next Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, one hour each, where you go into the Elo curriculum with nothing. And by the end of four days, four days of work, four hours, you have the basis for a mini Elo plan that you can go into Rosh Hashanah with. So we call it the Elo Bootcamp Mm. It's for people who don't have time to do the longer, more difficult work. Sounds perfect for mothers. 
Because <laughs> I was true. already I was already thinking, you know, this work is so important, but I could already hear my audience of women saying, I don't have time for this, right? <laughs> and this is important. We got to make time for the things that are a priority, people. The, you know, there's no such thing as lack of time. I always say there's lack of priorities. <laughs> You know, if somebody does a good ELO plan and has clarity, they'll save thousands of hours for the next year. Hundreds, hundreds of hours, thousands of hours if you do some deep thinking about what your life is all about. Mm. Just one, one insight can change your whole year forever. You get to just one deep, penetrating insight can change everything. Mm. And I have many stories about that. Yeah. Yeah, this is, this is, you're motivating me. I think I'm an, I'm, I'm enrolling, Rabbi. I'm enrolling in the, in the Elo Bootcamp. <laughs> let's, let's do it. Let's do it together. You know, we'd love to have you. We'd love yeah. to have you. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you talked about that, that third aspect of, of monetizing. And I think, I don't know if you've seen this with, with your students, but what I tend to see is that here's where our, subconscious beliefs about money really start tripping us over, right? We can really get so clear on what's our calling and what we want to be doing. And then it comes time to put it out in the world and it comes time to charge. And that's where it gets really difficult. I had a guest on the show who actually said, actually, it's even more difficult for women um, than it is for men. And there might be some truth to that. Um, Why don't you help the audience with the you know, the, the proper perspective about money and the mindset The you know, what is money from a Torah perspective? Perhaps that could help people um, disengage from the negative perception as if, you know, charging is icky and I don't want to take money from someone and it's uncomfortable and all that stuff that's going on. Um, why don't you shed some light on that based on Torah? Listen, money is a, is, is, a, is a measurement of energy, okay? So we're doing, it, we're doing an exchange of energy. I'm, I'm going to coach you for an hour, and you're going to give me in return an amount of energy. So there's absolutely nothing wrong with monetizing, and as long as you're somebody who works with integrity and honesty and uh, follows the laws of uh, not doing negative things with money, you know, the different mitzvahs about that. As long as you're on board with that, there's nothing wrong with charging. And and as long as you're delivering a valuable service and you believe in your service. So uh, charging, charging is a great thing. Why not? Right. As long as it's win-win, you should really look at, you should really look at, I'm giving the person Val. I want to give you in my one hour, 10 times more than what you're paying. Mm -hmm. Right. I want to invest. We, we have a whole team of people who work on our chaboras, right? Mm-hmm. Every year, every class, I have two or three people who, who prepare with me, with work it out with me, go deeper with me to make special exercises. You want to present quality. You want to present your soul. You want to be somebody who represents your essence. And, and, and you want to say, you know, you're the luckiest person in the whole world. You're getting this and you're getting the deal of a lifetime and you really should believe it. Now, if you don't believe it, you got to go back and see, am I delivering quality and, and why not? Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Beautiful. Absolutely. Beautiful. Now, I want to segue a little bit into your experience. I mean, you've had, like any other person has had challenge, your own challenges, but there was, you know, a time when you really came 
had a very close encounter with the angel of death not that long ago. You were, you know, and all the tools of faith and, 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 and trust and everything else that you teach your students were literally put to the test in a way that we should never know of. Um, what can you share with us about that experience and how it changed your, you know, your appreciation, your understanding of these of the Jewish wisdom and the Jewish tools you've been teaching and practicing yourselves. And, and I guess also the sense of urgency um, in teaching this to the world. Well, first of all, what happened was I got a very rare heart disease out of the blue, out of the blue. And um, that heart disease made me paralyzed from the neck down. Can you imagine that? And then after I got paralyzed from the neck down, I got this thing called the killer bacteria. Okay. So um, that led to a whole six month journey, which ended in open heart surgery in the Mayo Clinic. Mm. And uh, Sheba was successful. They literally had to take out a certain part of my heart, you know, which uh, people should know of. And during this journey, I was on my deathbed uh, a few times, really just, you know, one moment away. Mm. And, uh, a few times and um, completely, completely changed my life. You see, I was living, uh, but by the way, just if you want to talk about money, um, my, my Parnassa went from a certain amount of earning to zero, completely nothing. Because everything I do is, is, run by, is run by me and my Chaboras and everything. That My community uh, evaporated. No, everybody stayed with me, of course, because I came back which is a whole other story. They rallied around me. But um, uh, all of a sudden, everything I had and everything I believed in, literally my body, I no longer had a functional body. I know that. At one point, I said, um, I still have my mind. Mm. I mean, because there was nothing, you know, my, my, I was having numerous organ failures at one point. And then... I had to take some medication, which even took away my mind. If you can imagine oh. such a thing. Anyway, so uh, I was teaching all these personal development principles, and they were, and they were, I was very serious about them. And uh, there's a thing called in the old days that had a CD-ROM, and a CD-ROM, you wouldn't say I made a CD-ROM. You'd say they say I burn a CD-ROM. You ever know that? Yes. A laser would burn into the would burn into the CD-ROM the information, right? So I had my information, and Hashem had to take my information and laser beam it into my nefesh. And literally every personal development principle of the whole world that I had talked about and spoke about, I had to live and, and really live and put it to the ultimate test. Mm. And when I mean the ultimate test, the ultimate test. Until finally, after about five months of it, um, I went through the surgery, and I was still paralyzed after the surgery. And eventually, I started uh, I started walking again, and and I, through a whole bunch of amazing, fantastic stories, which is a whole nother five hours of stories over here. I came back and and I danced at my daughter's wedding at the end of six months, which was an amazing story. So, so Hashem, the greatest blessing in the whole world is to have your knowledge engraved on your heart. Wow. Okay. And, uh, it's, it's the greatest blessing. And, and at one point, um, 
I was very close at that time with the, the Pittsburgh Rebbe of Ashtod, who down, lived down the block from me. He died of Corona, unfortunately. <laughs> and I remember he called me up. And uh, he was an, an otherworldly man. He was a, a man. And he said, and he said, um, he told me what my tikkun was. Hmm. And he said, and he said, you've done part one of your tikkun. You've done part two of your tikkun. He goes, you got to hang in there because you you got to finish part three. Right? And he, he was guiding me along this um, ama- amazing journey. That's the only way to look back at it. Anyway, after I went through that journey, my life was completely different because I never looked at anything the same way anymore. I could walk. I could talk. My kidneys worked. My heart worked. You know, I had my family back. My community rallied around me up everything again, you know? So, uh, my, so my personal a- development community, they, they, they wouldn't, they, they kept teaching my classes while I was gone to keep the community alive. Isn't that nice? Wow. That is, that is unbelievable. Now I have a few questions about this. You said he told you that you fulfilled part one part. Did he tell you about your ticket? Did he tell you what that ticket was? Yeah. He told me what I, I left. I can't say what it was. But he told me I had to, uh, I had to, he told me I did two thirds. I had, I had one third to go. Mm-hmm. And he said, I have to hang in there because I was, I was, um, at certain points, I, I, I didn't believe I would, I would make it. I was so far gone, you know? And, uh, I don't know if you could imagine there were certain points I, when I was in intensive care, I had like 50 wires in me, mm-hmm. every part of my body had a wire in me and and I remember the first day I, I was no longer attached to a wire I could just walk not only that I, I remember the first day I was I was attached to a wire. I still could walk but that was even great just to not have any wires attached to me but then walking was another stage for a I got that back as well so um yeah, no, so so but the, uh, uh, a life challenge a a, a nisayon is, is a tremendous blessing as crazy as that sounds, even yeah. something as, as I'm going to say, as horrible as this, because if you, if you can play it out and use it in the right direction and keep growing from it, you'll get things that you can't get anywhere else in the world. Or, you mm-hmm. know, I mean, you can, but it's very rare to get it to other ways, you know? Yeah, which was going to be my second question. So you talked about the fact of having that knowledge engraved in your heart. And I was going to ask, you know, can we achieve that level without the challenge? And I think you just yes. said that would yes. be very hard. You just have to be very... <laughs> yes, but it's, it's uh, you know, I, um, I, actually had a cha- I actually had a class on what would happen before I was sick. What would happen if somebody lost their arms and their legs mm. and, and, you know, what, what are their expectations? I had, I had a whole class with all the steps in it, right? And then it happened to me, right? Oh my and uh, my, my, my class was worse than what happened to me. And I remember my wife came in when in the early days she stayed for Shabbos. And I taught her over the class, because I taught it like 50 times, right? Mm-hmm. And my wife just started crying. She just started crying. She couldn't, she couldn't believe what we were experiencing. It was like, it was like literally like taking a class, some theoretical model. It was more than theoretical because I was always working on it, 
but now living it in, in the most unbelievable circumstances. Hmm. And um, like I said, now, now lo- looking back, this is for people who are going through these show notes. I'm giving them chizuk, right? You can gain 20 years of wisdom in, in six months. And, and you just got to hang in there and, 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 and understand that there's a purpose behind it. There's a meaning for it. And, and, and you're, you're here to understand the, the deeper layer of reality that most people don't get to. And when you have a serious life challenge, you touch that. Mm. And when you touch that, your neshama buzzes in the greatest way. So not that we want a life challenge, not that we want it, but we want to know that the deeper truths of reality is what we're really here for. Yeah, we definitely don't want a challenge, but I think there is there is so much that we could do. We don't have to wait for a challenge to to grow. And and the the more we work on ourselves in the good times, right, that it's like it's like search engine optimization, right? We'll be able to draw from that, draw the strength faster when we actually when we actually need it. Right, right, for sure. Which is what makes your life is a journey, right? Right. You know, I, I coach people, I coach people uh, three or four, at least three or four hours a day, all year round, right? Mm-hmm. It comes out to like a, a thousand coaching sessions a year. And every day I go on a journey of souls, journey of, you know, I coach all over the world, literally all over the world. I'm on the phone with people from my, I'm in my hut, my backyard broadcasting hut right now. And literally life is a journey and we want to understand what our journey is and what we're here for, what our destination is and where, where Shev is leading us. And that's why, that's what Elul's all about. Once a year you have a tachana, you have a station where you, you stop the world. I want to get off, you know, and you, and you uh, examine life from that uh, perspective. Hmm. Hmm. I want to know, how did you, how do you think you changed as an educator after this tremendous challenge. I just came from it. I was, I'm talking from a different place. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a thing in education called you're in the club. And when you're in the club, you've been there. You can talk to anybody about anything. Right. So I can talk to people who other people are terrified to talk to and I'm in the club so just tell them what happened to me and I can talk and you can see, cause you're talking from a, you're talking from a place that only somebody who's been there knows. And, 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 uh, you know, if you could, if you could understand like your, you, you, you see your, your organs failing on you. I was on dialysis and one, I, I, I knew my vital functions were going, imagine just what it's like to be there and then getting pulled out of that the last moment from uh, um, different types of stories, which I could tell you. So it, I, I'm just coming from a more, or what would happen if you were paralyzed for four months? You couldn't walk. Literally, you could just move your arms and your whole body. And then one day you wake up and you can walk. That's a whole other story, mm-hmm. right? So, so, um, so what's, what, how do you look at Birchas Shachar, the, the morning blessings, you know? Thank you, God, that I could stand up. Thank you, God, that I could sit up. Thank you, God, that I could open my eyes. These are, these are, these are real, real things. So, so um, you know, when, when God chooses certain people to go through these interesting detours in life, off 
off the major life cycle. You know, the, the great, the great Navardic Rebbe was a great, was a great Navardic uh, Musser master. And one time, one of his students saw, saw him with an ear-to-ear smile. Mm-hmm. And he says, Rebbe, why are you so happy? And he says, oh, I had the hardest Nisayod today. Oh, <laughs> it's great. Imagine what growth I'm going to get in the next couple of days of my Nisayod. <laughs> I have a lot of stories like that. So, like, if we, if, we, if we can change our perspective about life and what life is all about, it's, uh, it's a wonderful thing, you know? So, you know, uh, I... I can only I understand Im- the deeper realities. Yeah. I can only imagine um, the source of strength that your wife must have been throughout this. Just but just by the small story that you shared at the beginning about just a financial challenge, which is nothing compared to this, right? And how she was calm and composed, and she knew, you know, it's just that there's ups and there's downs, and um, so I can only imagine that. Um, that served world, that that level of trust and 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 faith um, served both of you well during that that trying time. You want to hear a nice wife story? Yes, you want to hear a nice wife story. Uh, Just, uh, absolutely. In the beginning, when I got my diagnosis, and we realized like this is this is this is terrible stuff. Like not just bad stuff, but this is like the worst. Hmm. And at that point, I had a community of, of hundreds of personal development community, hundreds of people. And I have, you know, Bleon, who I have a very large family. And I, I, you know, I was, I was a leader out in the community doing all these type of things. So when we, we got the diagnosis and, and I knew I was going to be in the hospital for a long time, my wife calls me up and she says an amazing thing. She says, I'm going to say something. You're not going to understand it, but this is the only way to save your life. So what? She goes, give up everything. Let go of the community. Let go of your personal development. Let go of the parnassing. Let go of the children. And let go of me. Just think about you. Right? Right? Wow. The only way you're going to get through this thing is to let go of everything. And that's what I did. Unfortunately, it was a Shabbos. And unfortunately, I was alone. I wasn't supposed to be alone for that Shabbos. I literally went through that Shabbos, and I, I went through that process of just letting go of everything. And, um, and it worked. I needed that strength. I needed that focus to go on this amazing detour I needed to. And that was our idea. Wow. <laughs> wow, <laughs> that is some story. Now I can see why this is a match made in heaven, Rabbi Niven. <laughs> <laughs> that is some powerful story. Let go of everything. It's like you really have to get to the essence and the core. It's it's me and my neshama. That's it. That's right. That's right. It's a Slotomer. The Slotomer writes about this in, uh, in Niti Vehadas in a certain section where he says, what does it mean? Love the Lord your God with all your, whole, all your heart and all your soul and all your possessions. You have to get to a point where you let go of everything just to love Hashem. Mm-hmm. And my wife is giving me that message in that area that I had, because she knew I'm a very dedicated I'm very dedicated to the people I work with, my job, my family, everything. She says, no, no forget everything, you know, and it worked. She was right. Wow. I wouldn't have been able to see that. 
Wow, what a strong, what a strong, amazing woman. Rabbi Niven, let's wrap it up um, before you tell us where we can find you and sign up for the Elul Boot Camp. And maybe we can even still sign up to Authentic Living. Um, but let's wrap it up before <laughs> with um, what I call Jewish Money Matters fill in the blanks. And this is the part of the show where I'm going to give you an open-ended sentence and you'll finish it with the first thing that comes to mind, okay? All right. Okay, here we go. Here we go. When I give my sir or tzedakah, I'd like to give two. I'd like to give to my rebbies hmm. who, 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 deserve, who deserve all the help they get in, their amazing, in the amazing things they do. Nice. I'm Rabbi Arya Niven, and I'd love to make more money because... Because that's the financially... Well, I could say, I could say in a funny way, I have nine weddings left to go. <laughs> that's one thing I could say. Wait, what, what was that? Repeat? The, what? What, repeat, what did you say? <laughs> I have nine weddings left to go, okay? Nice. I've, I've done a whole bunch, but I got nine to go. But that's the main reason to, to do that, because that's, that's the financially responsible thing to do, is to feed my family, support my family, and to help, you know, to, to, to be, to have a, I don't want to say, I don't need abundance, but I want to I just do things the, the minimum way I need to do them. Yeah, yeah, you know, we, we often forget about this perspective right to serve hashem we need this resource and he's giving it to us right it's it's to serve god in the most beautiful way so you should have you should have an abundance to make the most beautiful weddings why not <laughs> and to, you know <laughs> god is abundant there's uh, there's plenty someone something i wish I'm, i had learned about money growing up is um to i don't know how to say this but to, me and my wife have learned over the years that the financial journey should be done together. Mm. Okay. And it shouldn't be like the husband does the budgeting and the wife that the husband and the wife should be unified. And me and my wife try to work together weekly on our finances to, to make it a joint venture. That it's, that, it, that it's our, our journey because a lot of marital stress becomes because uh, different financial perspectives. So I wish I would have known that when I first got married, but over the years, we've come to that conclusion. I love that you said that. My listeners are probably going to be thinking like, does she pay her to say that? Because it's something that I do with my <laughs> husband <laughs> weekly. We call it a money date and we, you know, it's really changed our, our marriage for the better and our, our financial, sure. our financials also for the better. You know, we were building something together. We're communicating about this. We're making sure we're on the same page. We're making sure that there's clarity, that we understand the cash flow, the numbers. Um, we spent an hour this morning, nine to 10 this morning. We did our weekly finances. We went through everything. We saw how we're doing in our monthly budget. And, and this is an expensive month, of course. Yeah. Um, August because of vacations and we know that how we have to allocate, but we spend that we spend an hour a week. We go through all the finances at our budget and we do it together. Yes. And I wish I would have known that many years ago. Yeah. This is important to teach young I couples. I yeah. didn't know that. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. Rabbi, Rabbi Arya Niven, spender or saver? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a saver because I have a lot of, <laughs> I have a very large family, and I have, a, I have a wedding every year, year and a half, and I'm going to continue to have that. So there's not much to, to save, but uh, if, if there was 
making money to save, I'm sure I would save it. Nice. I don't know Some- if that's the right answer. Well, I'm I'm sure somehow you've saved for those weddings. So I'm I'm betting you're a saver. <laughs> and if not, your wife is doing something great over there. Something I splurge on unapologetically. We have a once a year family vacation. Okay. It's actually I have different vacations I spend, but I do it with the boys. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of boys. And we have a boy vacation. And we go up to the the girls get their vacation too, so this isn't a thing, but, but we go up and we go up to the Golan and we do every boy thing that's possible to do. We go snappling, we go canoeing, we go horseback riding, we take bike riding down the mountains, segways, you name it. And that's my one year because I don't spend a lot of time with my boys during the week because I, mean, I work at nights. Mm. So that's a, um, the once a year, me and my boys bond and I, we splurge. Nice. And, uh, it's wonderful. It is. It is wonderful. You know, as our kids are have gotten older, also we've come to really understand the importance of. You know, we talk out here on the show a lot about putting our money, our money where our values are, and about. You know, we have kids already who are away in yeshiva and one going away to high school, and so we've really started to hone in on spending on those family experiences, right? Trying to make. A, a trip, something together with the siblings could be together. We can be together with them. And it's, 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 it's magical. It's wonderful. You know, it's, it's and something that alone I, and also, al- and also alone with the wife, me and my wife, we went to spots for the weekend, just me and her. Yeah. We left all the kids at home and that's crucial, 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 crucial. Yes. Yes, you got to date your spouse. Excellent, excellent. I'm Rabbi Arya Niven, and today I'm most grateful for. Um, that, that I can breathe, that I'm alive, that I'm able to talk to you right now. <laughs> yeah. Every moment is a gift. Yes. That's what I'm this, most grateful for. This moment. And finally, I'm Rabbi Arya Niven, and I believe Jewish money matters because... Jewish money, the Torah gives us a direction in how to, and how to understand these things. And, and we want to get rid of all our false beliefs about money that are disempowering us and taking away our, our vitality in the world. Mm-hmm. That's why. Nice. Nice. Rabbi Niven, tell us where we can find you. Where can we enroll for your wonderful programs? I'm going to give you an email address and a phone number. Okay. If that's Okay. Yes, and we'll the be email sure to address put it. is okay. The email address is Chabora P A C H A B U R A P A Chabora Personal Assistant mm-hmm. at gmail.com. That's one. If people want to um, WhatsApp or register by phone, we have a phone number here. It is 602-469-1606 in the US. And you could register there with Mrs. Robin Meyerson, and you could reach us by email. And you could also go on the website. We have a website called newchabora.com, www.newchabora.com, and there's a registration page there as well. Excellent. And in case people are driving as they're listening, don't worry. We will put this on the show notes for you. We'll make sure that you have full access to click on these 
three ways to be in touch and enroll in Rabbi Niven's program. It has been such a pleasure, much continued success, and I will be writing because I am joining this Elul Bootcamp. How about that? <laughs> great, great. So we're going to be in touch, okay? I welcome everybody to come and join our vibrant community, and uh, everyone should be healthy and wealthy and wise, I guess we should say, right? Amen. <laughs> so, uh, and, and a good year to everybody. Thank you very much. Amen. Thank you, Rabbi. Thanks to Rabbi Arya Niven for stopping by. You can enroll on his Elul Bootcamp today at newchabura.com. That is N-E-W-C-H-A-B-U-R-A.com and or on his longer program, Authentic Living. All is on his website, newchabura.com, or you can send an email to newchabura at gmail or WhatsApp at plus one six zero two four six nine one six zero six. If you if you join the Elul Bootcamp, you'll see me there, and I'm looking forward to it. You know, the reason I thought of bringing Rabbi Niving on the show is because so many of my students raved about his Chavura and kept saying to me, you, Yael, would love Rabbi Niven and his programs. And so, well, I had to check it out. And so here we are. So much wisdom, right? I wish I could have spoken with him for two more hours. I want to thank you, ladies, for being here. And I know your time is precious. If you enjoyed this episode, leave a review and rating. And hey, if you think of a friend who would love this episode as well we'll click that link and send it to her via text or whatsapp we will god willing be back here with mini sews and our fridays ask yael for which you can submit a question by emailing me yael at jewishlatinprincess.com or via dm on instagram at jewishlatinprincess have a great day thanks for listening to jewish latin princess podcast if you enjoyed this episode please subscribe on itunes Leave a rating and share the podcast with the Jewish women you love. To access today's show notes, ask Yael a question, or suggest a uniquely talented Jewish woman to be featured on the show, visit JewishLatinPrincess.com.